0: The podcasts are taken from the four volumes, In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is part of a series we call Poet's Corner. Today's feature is from Book 9, Part 27 of Milton's Paradise Lost. Podcast 248 is entitled, Temptation of Adam C.
1: In poetic form, Milton brings to life the struggles of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden as they contemplate eating the forbidden fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Milton shows that although Eve was deceived by the serpent, that our first parents understood the nature of the fall and why it was necessary for them to eat the forbidden fruit. Adam and Eve were married by the Lord. The first commandment God gave to them was to have children.
0: And God blessed them, and God said unto them, "Be fruitful, and multiply and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth.
1: If they had remained in their innocent state in the Garden of Eden, they could never have children, never know the joys of marital bliss, never know love, never know desire. One day would be like the next. They would remain themselves like children, not knowing joy because they couldn't know sorrow. The forbidden fruit brought opposition into their lives because their bodies were changed from an immortal state to a mortal state. Opposition is a necessary requirement for agency. The experience of mortality was necessary for them to carry out God's plan of salvation. However, it had to be entirely their choice. The purpose of the law of justice is to protect creation from uncreation. The law of justice is absolute. To break one law is to break all laws. You are either inside the law of justice or outside the law of justice. That is why eating the forbidden fruit caused both a spiritual death, cutting them off in the presence of God, and a physical death, separating the body and the spirit. To exercise free will, agency, and liberty, they had to eat the forbidden fruit. The law of justice is different from the law of mercy. The law of justice is the ruling law of everything. It has only one standard, absolute perfection. It is the law of creation. It must be satisfied. God is just or he wouldn't be God. God doesn't just live the law of justice. He is the law of justice. He is the standard. Nothing less can live with him in his kingdom. He never changes. If he did, he would cease to be God. Only those who are inside the law of justice can live in the presence of God. When Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, both fell outside the law of justice. They would have remained in their fallen state forever, been subject to Satan forever, if Christ had not volunteered to atone for their transgression. We too, as children of Adam and Eve, born into a fallen world, would remain in a fallen state forever if Christ had not volunteered to atone for our sins. The law of justice applies to a perfect world. The law of mercy applies to a fallen world. The law of mercy cannot violate the law of justice. The law of justice governs all laws. Without the law of justice, there would be nothing rather than something. It is because of the law of justice that God never changes. God cannot lie. That is why if you live with God, you will be in a state of happiness forever. The law of mercy helps us survive in a mortal world. Mortality deals with the sins of the flesh. All moral laws pertain to our life here on earth. What purpose could the Ten Commandments serve if you lived in the presence of God? Which one would you break? You would be so filled with the love of God and the love of your neighbor that being commanded to love God or your neighbor would be superfluous. Besides, you would be as immortal as God is. None of the other commandments could be violated either. This is not the world of the Greek gods who had mortal faults. Standing before the Almighty, could you dishonor God, dishonor your parents, lie, steal, kill, commit adultery, covet, or even think about it? The law of justice, which is unconditional, does not allow change. You are either inside the law of justice or you are outside the law of justice. The law of mercy is based on the principle of imperfection. It provides us conditions that we can live. Of course, the law of mercy isn't imperfect, we are. If we meet those conditions, The law of mercy allows Christ to change us from an imperfect state to a perfect state so that we may live with God again. The only way he could satisfy the law of justice was by offering himself as a ransom for our sins. The law of justice had to be satisfied, even if it meant that the Son of God had to sacrifice his life. The purpose of the law of mercy is to redeem us from our sins, overcome the fall, perfect us, and help us return to the presence of God. The greatness of the law of mercy is this. One, it is the only way that we can be forgiven of our sins and become perfect as our Father which is in heaven is perfect. Two, it is the only way that we can remain perfect. The atonement of Christ has no termination date. It lasts forever. Christ will always be our God, our Redeemer, our Lord and our Savior. Christ alone satisfied the law of justice, a thing we as mortals could never do for ourselves. However, the law of justice imposed restrictions on the law of mercy. Christ could not arbitrarily save us. We must meet the conditions imposed by the law of justice. Those conditions are all the commandments of God. Christ instituted laws, which we call laws of God, laws of morality or commandments, to satisfy the demands of the law of justice. If we do not strive to obey the laws of Christ, then we become subject to the law of justice. We will have to pay the price for our own sins that Christ has already paid for us. We must accept the atonement of Christ by our own free will and our own agency. He will not impose it on us. He cannot impose it on us because it would violate the law of justice. That is why we are judged for our works. The law of justice demands it. The law of mercy is governed by the law of justice. That allows God to be both just and merciful. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were not faced with moral laws, as we understand morality, because they were not yet mortal. They did not comprehend the sins of the flesh. They were as innocent as children. They transgressed the law of justice. They disobeyed a commandment of God, but they had to disobey one commandment, not to eat the forbidden fruit, to obey another commandment, to multiply and to replenish the earth. Our first parents made the choice to have children rather than to remain forever in an innocent state in the Garden of Eden childless. They knew what they were doing. The fall was not only for them, it was also for us. As spirit children of God, we were waiting in heaven, probably watching, anxiously, for the chance to come to earth and gain a physical body. We wanted the fall as much as Adam and Eve did. They did it for us. Milton captures that in Paradise Lost. Eve is overjoyed when she learns that Adam is willing to die with her.
0: So saying she embraced him, and for joy tenderly wept, much one that he his love had so ennobled, as of choice to incur divine displeasure for her sake or death.
1: She offers Adam the forbidden fruit.
0: In recompense, for such compliance bad, such recompense best merits. From the bough, she gave him of that fair enticing fruit with liberal hand. He scrupled not to eat against his better knowledge, not deceived, but fondly overcome with female charm.
1: All of nature felt the pains of the fall.
0: Earth trembled from her entrails as again in pangs, and nature gave a second groan. Sky lowered and muttering thunder, some sad drops wept at contemplating of the mortal sin original.
1: Adam and Eve, however, become intoxicated with the fruit. It is an entirely new taste for them. Sexual desire is felt for the first time.
0: While Adam took no thought eating his fill, nor Eve to iterate her former trespass feared, the more to soothe him with her love society, that now, as with new wine intoxicated both, they swim in mirth, and fancy that they feel divinity within them breeding wings wherewith to scorn the earth. But that false fruit far other operation first displayed, carnal desire inflaming, he on Eve began to cast lascivious eyes, she him as wantonly repaid, in lust they burn, till Adam thus gan Eve to dalliance move.
1: Milton understood that before the fall, neither Adam nor Eve felt sexual desire. Multiplying and replenishing the earth while in their immortal state was impossible. Opposition is the primary product of the fall. After the fall, the natural man declared war on the spiritual man thus creating agency and the comprehension of sin. Sin is violation of the commandments of Christ that the law of justice imposed upon the law of mercy. In other words, for us to fall under the mercy of Christ, we must obey the doctrine of Christ. The law of justice requires it. Without law, there is no sin. From that point on, Adam and Eve became subject to the moral laws imposed by the law of mercy to satisfy the law of justice. For the first time, Adam and Eve had a choice between good and evil, moral and immoral, right and wrong. The fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil was real. It was not just a metaphysical event where Adam and Eve decided to give to lust. Before the fall, they felt no lust. Here's the difference between transgressing the law of justice and violating the morals of the law of mercy. Violating the law of justice was a one-time event available only to Adam and Eve. You and I have neither access to the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, nor to the fruit of the tree of life that was planted in the Garden of Eden. Those were real trees with real fruit that had power over life and death. The reason Adam and Eve were cast out of the Garden of Eden was because of the tree of life, not because of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Once the fruit was eaten, the tree no longer mattered. The tree of life suddenly mattered a lot. It would have restored their immortality but it would have been a sad immortality because they would remain forever under the power of Satan. Without death, Christ could not save us. The resurrection of Christ can bring about immortality and eternal life. The tree of life in the Garden of Eden could only bring about immortality. Christ overcame physical death and spiritual death, thus making it possible for us in our resurrected state to return to the presence of God. Only with a physical body could we have a fullness of joy. Just like Adam and Eve, we chose to come to earth and to gain a physical body. When the Apostle Paul talked about the three degrees of glory, he was talking about the resurrection of the body.
0: 1 Corinthians fifteen forty through 43 There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power.
1: We are now determined in which glory we will have in the resurrection by the laws of Christ that we live. Will we shine like the sun, as does the Father and the Son? Will we shine like the moon? Or will we shine like the stars? All three are kingdoms of glory. All three are degrees of heaven. All three have unimaginable glory. But Christ resides only in the celestial glory. Both Paul and John, who saw him in his resurrected, glorified state, testified that he shone brighter than the noonday sun. That is what this life is all about. The Apostle Paul, who spoke most about the resurrection, said,
0: Hebrews 11.35 Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection.
1: The tree of life mentioned in the book of Revelation is not the same tree mentioned in Genesis. The tree of life mentioned in the book of Revelation is a symbol for Christ. It, too, bears fruit, but of a different kind, the kind we are all meant to partake of.
0: Revelation 22, 1-4 And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads.
1: Adam and Eve brought about the fall of all mankind, thus placing us all at the mercy of Christ. That was the plan of God from the beginning. To have agency, we had to leave his presence and be subject to the enticements of Christ and the temptations of Satan. Only in that way does it become our choice to follow Christ or to follow Satan. If you don't have opposing choices, you don't have choices. Let's continue with Milton's narrative. Notice that Milton recognizes their marriage. There is no adultery, so adultery could not have been the original sin. Adam, in a euphoric mood, is speaking.
0: Eve Now I see that thou art exact of taste and elegant, of sapience no small part, since to each meaning savor we apply and palate call judicious. I the praise yield thee, so well this day thou hast purveyed, much pleasure we have lost while we abstained from this delightful fruit, nor known till now true relish tasting. If such pleasure be in things to us forbidden, it might be wished for this one tree had been forbidden ten. But come, so well refreshed, now let us play, as mead is, after such delicious fare. For never did thy beauty since thy day I saw thee first and wedded thee, adorned with all perfections, so inflame my senses with ardor to enjoy thee, FAIRER NOW THAN EVER, BOUNTY OF THIS VIRTUOUS TREE.
1: LET ME WARN YOU, CRAFTY MILTON IS SETTING YOU UP, OR RATHER ADAM, FOR A MIGHTY AWAKENING. THE EUPHORIA CONTINUES.
0: SO SAID HE, AND forbore NOT GLANCE OR TOY OF AMOROUS INTENT, WELL UNDERSTOOD OF EVE, WHOSE EYES DARTED CONTAGIOUS FIRE. HER HANDS HE seized, AND TO A SHADY BANK, THICK OVERHEAD, With verdant roof embowered, he led her nothing loath. Flowers were their couch, pansies and violets, and asphodel and hyacinth, earth's freshest soft lap. There they their fill of love and love's deport took largely, of their mutual guilt the seal, the solace of their sin, till dewy sleep oppressed them, wearied with their amorous play.
1: Join us next week as the parents of the human race experience a rude awakening as their eyes are truly open to what they have done.
0: Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.